Here we go. everybody and welcome to the LL Research Law of One podcast. This is episode number 85 and I'm your host for today, Austin Bridges. LL Research is a nonprofit dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end has two websites, the archive website llresearch.org and the community website bringforth.org. Typically, in each episode, we talk about spiritual topics through the lens of the Law of One, usually based on questions sent in from listeners. Today's episode will be a little bit different and more focused on personal and organizational updates, and we'll talk about just where the heck we've been. (laughs) I am joined today by Jim McCarty and Gary Bean. Jim and Gary, are you here and ready to go? We are indeed. Gary is. All right. So, like I said, this episode will be... A little less focused on general spiritual topics and a little more specific to LL Research and what we've been up to. So if you're not interested in that, I don't blame you. (laughs) Um, Feel free to skip this one. Um, We are hoping that this episode will help kickstart a new regular rhythm for us. We definitely Mm -hmm. won't be able to do bi-weekly like we used to, but um, we'll hopefully be able to do a regular podcast, possibly once a month or once every few weeks. You may have also noticed that I introduced the show under a different name, the LR Research Law of One podcast, instead of In the Now, which it has been since 2010, I think was when it first launched. Um, So uh, we are changing the name and changing things up a little bit and throw it to you, Gary, if you have anything to say about that. Could we still say at the end of this podcast that it's a bi-weekly podcast, even though we have no intention or ability to do a bi-weekly? It's maybe the name of the podcast is the bi-weekly podcast <laughs> that airs every other month. <laughs> yeah, with an asterisk in the title. So, yeah, like like Austin said, this program has been running since 2010 and it began then with um carla record and the then bring forth moderator monica liel who would field questions to carla and um at the time carla was looking for a name and in the now was something i suggested and carla ran with it and the show evolved from there sometime thereafter uh, carla was joined by jim's husband jim mccarty 
and uh, they both took questions, if memory serves. And then uh, Monica uh, retired from her service somewhere along the way, and Austin and I joined, and it became Carla and crew for In the Now. And then Carla passed in April 2015, and we put a pause on the show, and then um, Jim, Austin, and I resurrected it, the uh, three of us meeting. And we kept the title, but it's um, kind of nagged at me because, you know, we um, aren't having a sort of Eckhart Tolle roundtable discussion every time we meet. We're not focusing on the eternal present moment per se. What we are focusing on is our densities and chakras and using catalysts and balance and events in the world and the cosmology of the law of one. So what we're really talking about is the law of one philosophy as it's lived, as it's studied in theory and in practice. So why not, therefore, call this podcast the law of one podcast? Thus was born a new name. Yeah, and we'll keep in the stride of numbering the episodes the same. So this will be the 85th episode, but it's actually the first episode of the Law of One podcast. Um, and I think we need some sort of excuse as to why we've been gone. Our last episode was published in June, and it is currently December as we record this. Holy cow. Um, and I have a confession that we did actually record two episodes in the interim, and both of them are lost. One of them completely. I honestly have no clue what happened to it. It is completely gone from all computer media that it should be on. The other one I recorded improperly and is completely unfit to be published as an audio podcast. However, we do plan on getting it transcribed because it was a great conversation. What was it about again? Attention. It was about attention. We were paying attention. Mm -hmm. um, it was really good. So we're going to get it transcribed and publish it somewhere, but it will not be available to listen to. So it has been six months since we uh, published something, and it's just because we're so darn busy around here. We have so much to do little too much to do and there's been some really big things that we've been doing um and one particularly big thing that we've been doing is we made an international trip as ll research and hosted our first international workshop in prague in the czech republic and then we also did a few other things in europe uh, related to ll research so I figured we could talk about that for a little bit, our experiences and what we were doing. Jim, do you want to talk a little bit about Prague and Europe and your experience? Well, in Prague, we were honored to be able to join together with our Czech translation team, uh, four folks, uh, Radim, Bara, um, um, my name, my, my <laughs> um, memory is fading here. Yeah. Starts with a V. Yeah, Voita. And a very old friend, Romy. Ah. Yes. Um, been dealing with memory issues recently. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and uh, um, it's getting a little bit better. Uh, they put on such a great uh, event. They had 33 folks from uh, 15 different countries. 
And everybody that showed up, as is the case usually here at our homecomings, had a story to tell that was very inspiring of how they discovered the law of one and how it had changed their lives and how they were attempting to live the law of one in their lives at the present moment. So in that particular gathering, we attempted to use the uh, open circle. Open space technology. Yes, open space technology. Sounds like we're going to the moon. <laughs> but actually, we stayed in three rooms and moved back and forth between them according to the various presentations that were being made by uh, probably 15 or 16 of the folks, rather, you know, about half made presentations. They were all very interesting. Um, we learned a lot about um, Prague itself uh, being such an ancient city that uh, is so beautifully made in the area. We were in the old historic area. Uh, the buildings are all made of stone. The streets are made of stone. Uh, little stones for the sidewalks, bigger stones for the streets, and patterns of stones, and they're always being reworked. They were, they were working on refurbishing uh, various buildings in our area. They take a lot of pride in their area, and we were just impressed to uh, no end by what was available there in the way of restaurants we could go eat at, uh, places to find something uh, to do, uh, a park nearby that was... Uh, elegantly um, constructed and most inspiring to just wander around in. And then when that was uh, over, uh, a three-day weekend, we headed to um, Salzburg, Austria and uh, met Thomas and Nadine, who were dedicated to doing interviews with uh, Austin, Gary, and me uh, concerning various concepts of the Law of One. Um, she was, Nadine was hoping to make a an introductory type of presentation for people who had no experience at all with the Law of One. And so she was uh, hoping that we could keep our answers in a very uh, basic and um, initial stage of explanation so that people could grasp it more easily. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. All of the interviews were outside because it's a, such a beautiful area. Uh, we were in uh, the Alps, you know, the Austrian Alps, and at one point, uh, we were between two Alps with a, a lake in between, which means it was a fjord. <laughs> and we got to do some interviews right there on the bank, uh, sometimes on a stone, large stone in the water, <laughs> and um, had a great time uh, just uh, going on and on about the law of one, which is uh, very close to all of our hearts. And uh, this interview is probably going to be a way that a lot of people will be introduced to the Law of One uh, in various countries around the world. So uh, that was uh, incredibly inspiring. And uh, that was where the trip ended for me. Uh, Austin and Gary and Trish uh, made a vacation after that to other parts of Europe that you may want to talk about. Mm -hmm. well, before our official vacation started, we had one more leg. Gary, Trish, and I did uh, to Rome. Gary, do you have... You, you were lukewarm on Rome, weren't you? You didn't like it that much. Yeah, I could take it or leave it. <laughs> uh, of course, joking. Um, you want to talk about Rome a little bit? Yeah, I was head over heels with Rome. <clears throat> uh, so Gianluca is an Italian translator of the Law of One who's very, very busy because he's in med school presently, and his fiance is also earning her master's, maybe PhD, I forget, in psychology. But um, he has translated the law of one and wants to follow in 
uh, Johan and Misha and the Czech team's footsteps and create a licensing partnership with LL Research, whereby he can translate, print, and publish the all of LL's material in Italian. But that will have to wait until he's out of med school. Like I said, busy. Uh, but um, in order to deepen and cultivate that friendship and spend more time with Gianluca, he invited uh, Trish Austin and me. Jim had been away for 10 days at that point and was too long gone from his kitty cats. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to getting back home. Well. So... <laughs> Uh, he invited us to come spend a weekend with he and his fiance Inla. So we flew from Munich and spent three glorious days. He arranged for a seeker meeting with Italian seekers, but Rome is a chaotic place and not easy for people to travel to. So there was interest among Italian seekers, but getting into Rome proved too difficult for some. So what they did was they sent in questions and then Gianluca and Inla and Trish and Austin and I met in Rome to respond to those questions and we recorded our conversation. And the location that Gianluca chose for reasons I can't quite <laughs> put together um, was right across the street from a pyramid. Um, among the many fascinating things that I had no idea were true about Rome include the fact that when uh, a Roman, uh, wealthy Roman citizen in the time of the ancient Roman Empire built a stone pyramid in the city, and I don't know, it's 40, 50 feet tall, eh, probably not 50, 35, 40 feet, and now there's a busy intersection next to it, but I think he built it as a tomb for his wife. So we were across the way from that and had a fantastic conversation replying to questions that we hope to get transcribed. And um, we also got to see some of the city and I was enthralled with it. Uh, the furthest back in history that I've really touched here in the States um, doesn't go back too far besides you know, a few of the remnants left from native civilizations. So to go over to Europe and see things that are 2,000 years old was, particularly for a history lover like me, I was in, I was in alt. Mm -hmm. um, even some stuff in Rome older than 2,000 years from the Egyptians. Yeah, th there was something else I didn't know, is that there are Egyptian obelisks still standing in Rome that the Romans carted off from Egypt with hieroglyphs and car carved into the stone, even like... After um, the world lost the ability to read hieroglyphs, they had stood there for centuries, um, including one in the St. Peter's Square, just without hieroglyphs. Um, and to my final, I could talk a while for uh, about Rome, but Jean-Luca and Inla were such beautiful, awesome people, and we we're so grateful for their hosting. Jean-Luca was like spending time with Wikipedia. He also also <laughs> deeply loved history. So everywhere we went, we got these big downloads um, from the Colosseum and the Pantheon, especially if you've never seen that, you must. It's um, this cylindrical walled building on top of which is a dome in the center of which is a, a circular skylight called an oculus. And it was built at to, as a temple to the many gods, thus Pantheon, um, that later became a Christian church, and which is why it was preserved. But um, 
regardless of what gods it honored or what religion um, appropriated it, the architecture was uh, evoked a sense of holiness for me. It was sublime to walk into this building and look up and see this beautiful um, dome with this skylight in between. And despite all the crowds, I was really transported. And the final thought is that um, even then, and I think probably now as well, but particularly then, it was an architectural marvel because it, um, it had nothing had been done like that in the world before. And to this day, it's the largest unsupported concrete dome in the world. It's just um, mesmerizing to look at. It was incredible. Um, just general reflections on the trip. A big purpose of it was so that we could go and meet with so many of these translators who dedicate so much time and effort to translating this material, including uh, Misha. She translates material into French, and she is the most prolific translator. How many books has she done now? Mm, more than anybody else. Yeah, it's incredible. And she's this incredibly wise woman who just loves life. And it was such an honor to meet her. And um, uh, we had a total of, was it 15 translators actually at the gathering? Or was it 10? Eight at the gathering. And then Johan made nine when we met him in Salzburg. Wow. The 15 number you might be thinking of, are, there are 14 different countries represented there. Okay, yeah. So that was probably the biggest meaningful part for me was interacting with these people that we talk to over email all the time and we experience their dedication and their hearts over email and sometimes over Skype, sometimes over phone calls, but primarily through email and uh, only met a handful of these people and to meet them in person and to just see the uh, bright shining light coming through all of them. And uh, that even goes for the other attendees at the workshop. Um, we get emails from all around the world all the time, respond to seekers uh, who write in about their stories or have questions or just want to say hello or thank us. And it's always a little abstract. It's always a joy to get an email in the inbox from somebody from a non-English speaking country or from the other side of the world. And it's always really interesting, but to actually see it in person and to experience people and to realize that the admiration that we have for this material and the way that it has affected us is basically exactly the same, no matter what language you speak or where you grew up, and that um, people are just people. It's not something I really experienced as somebody who'd never traveled internationally before, except for going to New Zealand earlier this year with Jim. It was um, it was really incredible, magical experience, and uh, it's a real blessing and an honor to be able to participate in it. There was the first also um, that translators were able to meet one another like they were there. Mm -hmm. um, we held a translator, well, the translators held a translator meeting in Prague, and eight of them formed a circle for an hour and shared some notes on the joys and challenges of translating this particular uh, body of material. And I think it was really empowering for them because typically translation is a journey that's undertaken uh, alone, except for the Czech team that has uh, a team of four people. So um, they have shared vocation. And another objective of the Prague event was to 
um, help seed workshops um, around the world, really. Uh, not it's difficult travel is expensive and difficult especially overseas and we are a tiny staff and we can't um, be going around the world hosting workshops all the time but what we can do is help empower others to do that so the uh, Czech team grabbed that baton and ran with it and um, really learned the ropes and subsequent to the event they said that they would like to make it an annual event thus opening up the uh, this vibration of love and light um, that is created when seekers and wanderers and people who love the law of one come together, opening that up to a whole new continent. So hopefully uh, there'll be a yearly event in central, in the center of Europe in, in Prague now. Yeah, it's unlikely that we will be able to attend yearly or we might not even want to because traveling was very difficult. I didn't mind the traveling part. Yeah, it, it took its toll on me and Jim, I think, too. Um, but uh, hopefully now there will be a, a third yearly event for Law of One Seekers, and it will be located in Europe. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening in Europe, keep an eye out for that. It'll probably be in the second half of next year. And I was just thinking that would be... I think since our last podcast, that would be three workshops that we hosted and facilitated since our last podcast. So that's a thing <laughs> that uh, has also been keeping us busy. As uh, This was our second year of uh, co-hosting the Asheville Coming Home to a New Earth event. And um, it's uh, probably seems like going to be a yearly event from now on. And um, as we... Uh, get into a stride of hosting these things they won't pull away as much effort from the office like homecoming at one point in time seemed to be a complete disruption for like an entire month and a half beforehand even longer and now it seems like it flows pretty seamlessly and doesn't interrupt too much of the workflow so um, as workshops become a more regular thing for us to host I think that we'll be able to integrate them into the normal workflow a little bit better and it won't be so much of a disruption for things like the podcast. Um, can you think of anything else that's been taking our time? The Europe trip was a massive undertaking. We were gone for almost a full three weeks, almost a month. And um, the logistical planning before that and just getting everything organized took up a lot of time. Um, but any other big uh, projects that have taken us away from the podcast? Saw the media stuff. That's true. Um, yeah, there are other big projects that we have been working on. We'll continue working on into the future. We can talk a little bit about those. Um, there's a, a media project, a couple media projects, three media projects in the works right now, actually. One of them is what uh, Jim referenced, Thomas and Nadine, creating the series of interview videos as an overview of the Law of One. Those will be available hopefully within the next couple months, and we do plan on publishing them for free probably on YouTube. Um, and then there's a narrative story media project. Um, do you want to touch on that a little bit, Gary? Narrative story... Um narrative story media project yeah uh, we're talking about Zach's mm -hmm. um, yeah we are 
good friends um, with a fellow who runs an independent media production company and um, who also dearly loves and cares for and respects the law of one with a level of care that we have, which makes a good compatibility and allows us to place a lot of trust in him. And he is very interested in um, launching a fictional series that incorporates the law of one world and principles of the law of one um, you know, including wanderers and dimensions and discarnate beings, um, and particularly uh, polarity, but like packaging that creatively in a, in a narrative story that is appealing to audiences and is not, uh, like, um, you know, not drawing one-to-one -one correlations with the law of one, just, uh, drawing from the law of one inspiration and, um, to the extent that if you are familiar with the law of one, likely you will recognize the law of one while watching this. But um, progress is strong. Um, after some time, a industry writer is brought on. He he came to visit uh, Jim Austin and me, and we talked with him about the law of one. And um, he, he had a, a genuine curiosity and open-mindedness, and he just created a what's called a series treatment. That series treatment um, is the basis for gaining producers and funding. So that's where the project is right now. And it does seem, from our totally amateur perspective, seem to stand a chance of uh, manifesting into reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of factors involved in this project that are kind of incredible from our perspective um, that we can't necessarily be specific about. But this is a very exciting uh, prospect. And Jim, didn't the Confederation sources early on um, suggest to Don and Carla to create movies or media projects to help share the philosophy? Interestingly enough, that's true. Uh, some of the first messages came through the Louisville group, who the, was the first people that learned how to channel along with Don. Uh, they said, make a movie and see if you can share these principles with the general public and gain some greater understanding of how these principles affect everyone on your planet. So Don and Carla thought that that was a decent idea, and they attempted in their own way to get involved in the movie-making business and uh, made a, a, a movie that was uh, eventually called uh, The Girl Snatchers, which uh, they, they were given $30,000 by a producer that said, I want to see a movie with uh, sex and violence. So, of course, they made a comedy. And uh, <laughs> this was uh, a situation in which they filmed this movie in the Louisville area here. And Carla was in the movie. And another couple of good friends of ours uh, that we know still to this day were in the movie. And it did actually gain a little traction in the drive-in theater in the southern part of the United States. And eventually, it was uh, sold for $1,500 to the bad cinemas <laughs> because there does seem to be a market for bad movies. And that was the first attempt, and they uh, attempted again to get involved in the movie-making industry with uh, another one called The uh, Force Beyond. And uh, it was... Not so successful, but they did learn more about how things work in the movie-making industry. So that's uh, the background. Uh, they never really went too much further. Um, 
there were a, a few pieces of communication with some folks in Hollywood to see if they were interested. And there was a bit of interest, but it kind of died out. So that's about where it stood until now. I think I remember reading about Don being so unhappy with the force beyond that he called it the farce beyond. Yes. He always <laughs> liked to play with those words. Like, that. <laughs> um, and then there's uh, one more media project in the works. It's sort of a documentary docuseries project with an experienced documentarian filmmaker with his own connections to the industry that um, so far has been incredibly inspiring to work with. He has a deep love of the material, an incredible creative artistic sense, and uh, we are in resonance with his own vision to create what is hopefully sort of a docu-series um, the full vision is not fully clarified yet about how this will be um, manifested and in what specific medium it will be, but something that gives an overview and introduction of the Law of One and the history of the raw contact and things like that. And um, we're really excited about that as well, and it, it's looking really good too. Anything you wanted to add for the docuseries thing, Gary? Not the docuseries, but... Uh which would be a documentary in series form uh, for anyone curious about that. I wanted to speak real quickly to the previous fictional project that mm -hmm. we were describing and uh, let you, the listener know that, um, you know, it's, it gives us a little pause because uh, you know, this, we don't want to see this material exploited in any way or cheapened or sensationalized. So uh, we want you to know that we proceed very cautiously and we have chosen to do this work because of our trust in the integrity and purity of this friend's heart and uh, because he not only respects the material but has given us the space to draw parameters and guidelines that will hopefully help steer this production in a way that um, honors uh, the source material as you know within its creative expressions mm -hmm. we don't do any of this lightly we, we take it all very seriously maybe a little too serious sometimes um, but we are incredibly cautious uh, about how this material is represented and how it's used and we have only the um, best interest of the material and the seekers that it can help in mind in doing any of this and um, any sort of exploitation would be a massive red flag and we'd hit the brakes on anything that seemed to indicate something like that or any introducing any major distortion to the material. And um, let me interject here real quick because I need to hit the road and you guys can uh, continue beyond my departure. So um, I just wanted to say a couple other quick things for my part and that's that like probably one of the biggest developments that stands out to me is across the room from me and it's on his face and it's uh, Jim McCarty's <laughs> beard. It is starting to become glorious or it's on its on the path to glory. I should say uh, ever since I've known Jim, he's had a clean face. I think you shaved it in the mid eighties with in response to Carla's request. Just before we got married. So she could see what it looked like. Yeah. Married in like 87, 86. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he's growing it out. So things are indeed <laughs> changing here. Uh, it actually really does look good. I love it. And um, the other thing is that the past two podcast episodes that 
did not and will never be published that Austin mentioned. Um, during each of those, I discussed how we are eager to have on other guests with us. Um, Austin has figured out the technology to achieve that. Theoretically. Uh, in theory, yeah. <laughs> and um, part of that desire will be to bring in more feminine voices as well. Because if you did not notice, uh, uh, sedate though we are, <laughs> on this podcast we are three guys so and we definitely need some more feminine inputs that's something we will be working towards in upcoming podcasts and um is anything more needed from me right now Austin? um it depends on if you would like to touch on the concept guide uh asheville announcement oh those geez yeah. yeah we're running out of time so i don't know if you can yeah, well, I was going to suggest that after I leave, you talk about the new website, too. but um, And then you can expound on these two items if I'm too short on anything. But yeah, uh, briefly, Concept Guide is a project that's been in the work for two plus years now. And um, it's a really in-depth, intensive look at some of the key concepts. I think maybe 100 of them in the raw contact and um it's been thanks to diana roy's effort um intensively ripped apart and edited and improved and put back together and um it's now on austin's desk and we could be just a couple months away from publishing depending on um his speed but i think it i hope it's going to be appreciated by the readership and the other thing that Austin mentioned was is that um ll research is on course it's not a foregone conclusion who knows but is on course with the hope to launch an office an ll research office in Asheville, north carolina in conjunction um with the Asheville Law of One study group there, who is forming its own entity, has been um, nurturing a very strong crystalline culture there and is now forming a legal entity. And um, uh, among our shared work, or at the heart of our shared work, will be to create a sacred gathering space that can hold not only our standard sorts of workshops, but all sorts of other um reasons for gathering and meeting and it's so full of hope and it looks um it feels so good and there's such an alignment of will and resources and talent and hearts it's all sorts of synchronicity and rightness to it and if you want to read more it, um, there is on the bring forth homepage in the news section near the top um a big announcement with all the details your heart could want, but uh, Austin and Jim are free to speak more about it. And with that, uh, I will leave you and look forward to um, podcasting next with you guys and um, tuning in to the readership. Love you all. Love you too, Gary. Have a good afternoon. Thank you. Okay. Well, now that we're rid of that guy, <laughs> we can talk about the real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. We obviously love Gary. Of course we do. Um, that's one of the issues with trying to record this podcast is every time we uh, plan for anything, there seems to be schedule interruptions and some things just can't be moved. But we uh, managed to get Gary for 30 minutes, which is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're uh, almost done. Not a whole lot more to talk about. Gary was just mentioning the um, Asheville announcement, which is very exciting. The tentative plan that um, is in place but is subject to change is that him and Trish will 
be moving to Asheville for the initial part of the plan. And then at some point in the future, could be soon, could be distant, it essentially will happen when stars align and stars would have to align, um, I will be joining them. And uh, in the meantime, it will just be me and Jim here in Louisville and um, running the operation uh, from the original home base. Um, but we are operating on faith here. The idea is that if stars are meant to align for things to happen, then they will align. And if not, then they won't. True. So we're taking one step at a time, but everything feels right. And uh, there's such a rich uh, culture in Asheville that is so well suited for LL research. Um, there's uh, not only a significant community of people enthusiastic about the law of one, but the general community is just full of uh, interesting new spiritual ideas and um, talent. And LL Research will be very supported and find a, a really good home there. So <clears throat> it's, um, it's a really positive outlook uh, that is coming from our continued association with both the group that exists in Asheville and just the city itself. Um, we've got tons of projects going on right now. Uh, a little too many, to be honest. We we probably need to cut back. Um, but I think maybe the biggest one besides those on our plates is the website project. And uh, you've probably been hearing for more than six mm -hmm. years now that we've been working on a new website. And that has been true for that entire time. It has never once been a lie. Uh, but um, the work that was being done it was uh, uh, never came to completion. So we had to do a hard reboot on the project. And we were connected with another group of volunteers that have formed a team to help us rebuild the website from the ground up. And it is well underway. It's looking incredibly hopeful, incredibly amazing. Um, similar to some of these other projects, it seems like realistically we are within months of being able to launch the new website, which is very needed. The website was first designed by our friend Ian back in the 90s, and it has undergone minimal updates since then. And I have been working with uh, the original 1990s website to keep all of our information published and up to date. And it's very clear that this website is um, a relic. So uh, we are really excited. It's going to be uh, not only fresh, new, compatible with all new technologies and look cleaner, be more organized, but part of what this team is doing is uh, future-proofing the material in a sense. They are basically archiving it in a way that will be uh, preserved indefinitely and be able to be used by future generations indefinitely. So it's not sort of stuck in this weird website format like it is right now. It will also be uh, preserved in a different sort of archive. It's difficult to explain, and I don't want to take 10 minutes to explain it, but uh, they're dedicating a lot of time and great energy and uh, intelligence behind this, and we are very excited. And 
Um, another big project that you may already know about is the audiobooks. Jim has recorded every single LL Research publication, I think. Even the poetry book, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Every single one. Uh, his narration has been sitting on a hard drive for a little while, and we were thankfully able to um, uh, take on help. Uh, Trish is editing the audiobooks now, and she completed The Raw Contact, Teaching the Law of One, Volume 1, which is available now through Audible, and she's nearly done with Volume 2, and from there she will continue with all the rest. Um, but it is a really incredible project. It sounds amazing. Jim did a great job with narrating it and reviews so far. Uh, feedback has been incredibly positive. People are finding that uh, if you're an auditory learner, if you learn better through listening than reading, it is a perfect way to absorb the material. And if you read and listen at the same time, it's even better. Do you have any reflections on the process of recording and how you feel about it all? Well, it kind of grew out of the Camelot Journal, where Carla had started this journal back in 2005 to let people know what the day in the life of Elnor Research was like. So as I went on in the Camelot Journal, I thought, well, you know, I would like to honor Carla and Don in another way, and especially uh, all the work Carla had did over the years in uh, writing various things, uh, such as her poetry book, uh, Living Law One, 101, The Choice, and the recordings uh, just seemed to be the way to go, that uh, I wanted to uh, establish a way for people to become familiar with everything that Carla had done in uh, channeling and in writing. So I started off with uh, Living Law of One, 101, The Choice, and I believe that one's the first one that was available on audible.com. And then I'm not sure where I went from there, but I, I waited till uh, the end to tackle um, the Law of One or the Raw Contact because I knew that it was the longest and it would take a lot more uh, time and energy. So the first time through, I um, I just kind of got familiar with the material and the, the technique. And because, you know, Ra has a lot of difficult uh, concepts and sometimes the sentence structures are rather mm -hmm. intricate as well. So it seemed like uh, there's going to have to be a special approach to make that more accessible to the ear and the mind. And after the first time through, I thought, well, I did all right there, but at the end, I was so much better than I was at the beginning, so I want to do it again. So I recorded it again, and I felt really good about that one. <laughs> and a friend of ours, our uh, transcriber in uh, Seattle, Aaron, uh, made a suggestion when she was listening to me one day. She said, you know, if you paused more between the questions and answers and even went a little bit slower with some of the um, words themselves, uh, people would have a better chance of grasping what you're saying before you put another concept on top of them. So uh, for a third time, I went through it and really did slow down, probably slower than most audiobooks are recorded. But I think this was a unique situation, and it really did call for it. So after I listened to the first couple of sessions, I thought, yeah, this is, this is the way to go. So, uh, and one of the benefits for me personally as I was doing this work was that it felt like I was in some sort of a contact with uh, Donna Carla at the time. And it was a blessing to do that and to feel that feeling. So the third time through, as I was going slower, um, I'll share your personal information here. If I wasn't in tears at the end, I did it again. 
Some of those sessions got done two or three or in one or four times because I wanted it to be just the best I could do. And uh, it wasn't, I didn't have to uh, ask myself mentally at the end, is this the best I could do? At the end, I knew it was the best or I knew it was not the best. And so uh, that was the way it was done. And fortunately, it looks like uh, the first volume is doing fairly well. And uh, we're hoping that this is a way that people can become more familiar with the Law of One, as it seems like people these days are more likely to learn through listening than through reading. So this is a new uh, venture, a new field for LNL Research. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad to have been part of it. And I'm really grateful to uh, Trish for all the work that she's doing on this. Uh, she's just making it a professional production. And uh, I know before that that Jade had done some work to uh, find the places that needed corrections. And so we've had a group effort here. And I'm, I'm grateful to everybody who's been part of it, and Austin as well. Mm-hmm. And Jade and her husband, Kyle, also did an incredibly meticulous job uh, doing the first pass through for edits and listening for things and discrepancies and uh, d- making very meticulous notes about the audiobook uh, versus the manuscript that uh, made all of our jobs so much easier. So thank you to Jade and Kyle for that. Um, let's see. I think that's it. Like that's not all of our projects. We've got a lot going on, but those are really the biggest ones that we wanted to give you updates on. Um, daily work continues. There's always little things to do in the office. There's always new big things to do. There's organizational details, legal details, and big conversations, board meetings, things like that. Um, but we won't bore you with any of that kind of stuff. I think uh, to finish this off, maybe, unfortunately, Gary's not here to share his own stuff, but I thought uh, you and I could give a little just insight into our own spiritual journeys lately and um, what we've been going through. We don't have to get too specific, but just give a little insight into our own lives because we do live (laughs) spiritual lives and uh, doing this work tends to invite spiritual work. (laughs) So um, what's been going on with you lately? Well, um, it's been about four and a half years now since Carla passed away. And for some reason, about two weeks after she passed away, there just seemed to me to be um, a starter's gun go off in my mind. It started a race. It was my spiritual journey. And for some reason, uh, at that time, uh, meditation became the most important thing that I could do. And since that time, I have been uh, devoting more time to meditation because it's, uh, as Ross says, it's the way that we present ourselves as being open to hearing the guidance or feeling the guidance of the Creator within. Uh, Prayer is talking to the Creator and meditation is listening to the Creator is basically the way I, I like to think about it and the way I've heard it described. And... The meditations, uh, I've never been a terribly good meditator, but I am very persistent. And every little bit of an advance on the path that I make, I feel very inspired and comforted by, because it does seem to me that this is the way that we can pursue our spiritual path, all of us, most effectively. That has been the message of the Confederation of Planets in the service of the one infinite creator since 1961, when Don first got together all of those physics students to uh, learn how to channel. 
That was the message that always came through. Uh, meditate, meditate, meditate. So the point was finally made in my mind and in my heart and soul, and that's basically what I've been doing. Um, what I like to think about is that uh, on the Sabbath day, that is the day of rest, where we take our leave of the mundane activities of the world and focus upon what is most important to us, and that is the seeking of the one infinite creator. Now, I realize that most people would be satisfied to be able to do that only on the Sabbath, because that's traditionally in the, the Christian and I don't know about other religions, but the Christian religion takes that day off to do that. And I like to look at that concept as something that can infuse the everyday experience so that I can see everything that I do during the day with whomever I am doing it, whether it's my little kitty cat or the kitty cats I inherited from Dana or a stranger at the door or Gary or Austin or anybody, that the interaction between us can be creator to creator and that the Sabbath can be dispersed and spread throughout the day and the week. And uh, so that's basically been my journey, is to try to see everything as being sacred, as holy. And uh, I believe that's the way it is. <laughs> the more I meditate, the more I look at it that way, that's more the way it seems to me. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind me offering a reflection, but you mentioned uh, inheriting the cats from Dana. And um, the amount of love and effort and compassion that you have shown towards these cats, it has been a very difficult situation. Mm. Um, they're not easy cats to care for, as I understand. <laughs> but uh, the amount of care that you have put into these cats really reflects everything you just said, honoring the creator and the cats. And I think it's, a, it's an honor to be able to witness exactly how much love uh, can be given to a situation as difficult as um, uh, taking care of these cats that are quite difficult to take care of. Well, that's true. They, uh, some of them are feral. Uh, Eleven of them came from Dana when she passed away in June. And um, I don't believe any of this is a, uh, a mistake. It was all meant to be. So I look at that. Well, here it is. Uh, this is going to be my daily experience. Uh, I'll be taking care of them twice a day, morning and evening. So why not do it to the highest standards possible, to see these little entities as the creator and to do whatever I can to not just feed them, but to love them and to see if uh, there might be some love return. You know, this is the way that the uh, pets and second density creatures are invested. And I believe that we had success with one with uh, Beauty Queen who just passed away recently. Uh, she had been a feral cat for 16 years and eight months. In the last four months, uh, thanks to a, <laughs> a sedative, I guess, that the vet gave her to work with her, it turned her into a friendly cat, and uh, it was such a beautiful thing to see her, her little shadow on the other side of the door waiting for me to come in so I would pet her, and she would follow me around, and I would pet her some more, and I'd pet her some more. So she was probably the, the most uh, obvious success. Uh, the rest of the cats are, except for one uh, who is friendly, uh, are feral, but there is progress being made that I can get closer to the cats. Uh, they don't run when they see me coming. They uh, come close to me, and I can almost touch them. Uh, one of them is letting me pet it um, every now and then. So I see this as a great opportunity to uh, be of service to these little creatures and to carry out another form of my own spiritual journey, which is uh, 
something I hadn't expected, but you know, sometimes those things that pop up in our lives are unexpected, give us great opportunities for learning and service. And that's the way I look at these little kitty cats. Yeah. I imagine that once they're on the other side and they have a more expanded view, they will witness the love that was given to them despite the difficult circumstances and be quite transformed by it. I'm sure they're already transformed. Um, in terms of my own spiritual journey, uh, it's hard to really track with words since things get more subtle. I um, have undergone a couple year process. Initially, it felt like uh, a heart opening. Um, there was a long period of what I've identified as depression that then came into a very slow and subtle heart opening. And that has sort of settled down to a point where I've become pretty acutely aware of my own subtle mental patterns and things in my life that I would classify under the heading of mental health and things that would be interesting to a psychiatrist. Um, things like the biology of the brain and how our biology affects what we are feeling at any given moment and trying to reconcile these with the spiritual path and trying to cope with um, when our bodies seem to be dictating our state of minds. Um, that's been a really big theme in my life and trying to uh, grasp my own mental health. I've had some struggles and some victories and some insights and it's uh, really been what I've work, been working with lately. And um, on top of that, my other big spiritual endeavor is to attempt to reconcile what I kind of see in myself as a bit of a dual life. I like to say that I have one foot firmly planted in the mundane world and continue to do so and continue to feel called to do so. But there's a part of me that feels a bit inadequate in doing that and feels guilty, feels like um, not dedicating myself fully to the spiritual path. And intellectually, I know that these are all just expectations I place upon myself that um, should easily be dissolved once I realize that, but hasn't seemed that simple. And so I'm trying to really understand my life journey and why I live half of my life really deep in a spiritual uh, contemplation and spiritual state of mind, spiritual work. And the other half of my life, I really enjoy the things that um, most of the world enjoy, the things that might be considered sleep or distraction. And I really enjoy connecting with people in these terms. Um, I have a, my partner would not consider herself spiritual in the least, although I do think that she is. But um, her major interest is sports, uh, especially coming up. We're entering basketball, college basketball season, so I'm in for a few months of uh, loud cheering and lots of basketball games. So that's sort of a, a world that I exist in half of the time that I really like to engage with. And... I am feeling that there's some sort of creative outlet that can bridge these two worlds and really striving to figure out what that bridge might be. So uh, that's sort of where I've been lately. Is there anything else you'd like to, to talk about before we wrap up the show? I think that pretty much does it for me. 
All right. How about some final words for the listeners? Well, we're sure glad to be back on the air and to be sharing information and thoughts and inspiration with you. We hope that you all will continue to send us some questions now that we are back on the air. However uh, much or little we may be able to do it, we are dedicated to doing it on a regular basis. So if you will send us your questions and your love and your support, we will do our very best to send you love and information and inspiration back. We are very grateful for all of you. We know that uh, all of you are sincere seekers of truth. And if you just keep on doing that seeking every day, we know that you're going to find what you're looking for because the Creator is there inside of you waiting to be discovered. We love you a lot. Blessings and peace as you go on your way. You have been listening to the LL Research Law of One podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, then I'm guessing you're a regular listener because we didn't talk about um, the Law of One very much. So if you would like to know more, you can visit our websites, www.llresearch.org or www.bringforth.org for more information or to connect with other seekers. Thank you so much for listening and for bearing with us through our long, prolonged absence. And we promise, we promise that we will do our best to get back into a regular stride because we really do love doing this podcast and um, we really want to make it an offering that we can uh, give regularly so thank you so much for listening and if you want us to talk about anything in particular feel free to email us and you can find more info at llresearch.org podcast have a wonderful few weeks and we will talk to you next time